coming up on this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour brought to you by Rivals and Hogbeat.com. Sponsored by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers located in Fayetteville and Russellville. We're catching you up on Arkansas hoops, which are going on the road to face Georgia. Um, Arkansas is also on the road for the first time in baseball with the Shriners College Classic. And the Razorback football team has four Razorbacks in the NFL Combine. So let's do it. Everybody. Welcome to the Hogbeat Hour. I'm Nikki Chavanel, the managing editor over at Hogbeat.com, your source for Razorback Insider News, and I'm here with Andrew Hutchinson. Also of Hogbeat.com, our team writer and especially baseball guru, and it's the perfect time as Arkansas is on a hot streak, starting the season undefeated. Um, but let's kick it off with basketball talk as the Razorbacks have pulled themselves out of a hole. Um, they've won two straight for the first time in like six weeks. Um, we were both at the game last night in Bud Walton against Tennessee. That was a great game. I was thoroughly entertained pretty much the entire game. Yeah, it was one of those rare games where Arkansas, you know, got off to a good start and, and uh, they, I thought they were going to maybe win a game going away and they ultimately did. Uh, Tennessee made it a little bit interesting there early in the second half, but they, uh, they got the job done, and you know, anytime Arkansas scores 86 points, and you have a guy like Mason Jones go off for 37, uh, it's it's going to be uh, entertaining to watch. So Mason Jones was just five points away from his 1,000-point mark, uh, and he hit it pretty early in the game. Um, so he became what the 44th, 44th in UA history yeah. to hit 1,000 points, but only the eighth to do it in two seasons, and it's a pretty pretty exclusive group of, of guys that have done that you know recently Jalen Barford uh, Dusty Hannis Daryl Macon uh, those guys have done it recently Bobby Portis then you got the old timers like Martin Terry uh, then Todd Day Scotty Thurman uh, so that that's a pretty pretty exclusive pretty uh, solid group of players to be associated with and he was like the fifth fastest to do it right that's from our Buddy Hogstats, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, most of us do. <laughs> He's a pretty good resource. Um, it's just pretty crazy because, you know, Mason Jones last season, reliable player, like good shooter, but I didn't see him as an SEC Player of the Year type candidate, and it just seems like things have absolutely clicked for him this year. And because of Arkansas's lack of depth, he's really had to step up. Um, Must says that the burden has been on him. I'm sure that Mason Jones likes it. He seems like the type of player who thrives being the spotlight of the team. Yeah, I think so too. And, and as you said, I didn't expect him to come out and do what he's doing right now. I mean, he's averaging like 21 points a game. He averaged, I think, 13 points something last year. Uh, so just a, a completely different player. You know, people probably thought maybe Isaiah Joe could, could come out and be an SEC Player of the Year candidate. I think he was preseason All-SEC. Uh, so it, to, to see, you know, and, and Isaiah's having a great season by, uh, you know, by every uh, measure, but Mason Jones has been just phenomenal and I think definitely deserves to be in the conversation as SEC Player of the Year. It's just a shame that Arkansas had that five-game losing streak to where they kind of fell behind in the standings. Probably going to be tough for a team that goes 500 in conference play uh, to produce the SEC Player of the Year. 
But, man, if I wish they had, like, a, a ranking of one, two, three, because I, I think he would be right up there with whoever wins it. He's also one of my favorite players to, you know, interview at the press conference. He gives really great answers. He's a pretty humble player. Last night he was talking about how um, if you trash talk one of my teammates, that really gets him going. And I don't know, I'd, I'd, I like his personality, and I think I always have. And maybe it's because, you know, he grew up kind of humble. He Out of high school, he didn't have D1 offers, ended up going JUCO. And then even out of JUCO, he didn't have many offers. So he didn't grow up a, a basketball star or anything like that out of DeSoto High School, but he's grown into his own. And uh, he talks about God and that influence on him a lot. And it's just surprising because you don't, get a lot of players like that these days yeah I mean he's he's had to work for everything he's got I mean he refers to you know fat mace all the time you know whenever he uh, was a little bit larger he, he's completely transformed his body uh, and you know he, he comes from a basketball family I mean I'm pretty sure his brother played at Duke right. won a national championship his sister was like an all-american at Texas A&M so this guy comes from a basketball family probably didn't have it easy you know playing you know the siblings and you know the front yard or whatever uh, but to see him do what he's done has been really, really cool to watch. Um, all of our basketball talk for the rest of the season is sponsored by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers, located in Russellville and now Fayetteville, one of our favorite places to eat any time of day. Really great burgers. Um, Ethan Henderson got his first career start, la or his second career start last night. He did start against Florida. He played 10 minutes and fouled out in those 10 minutes, had seven points. And then last night, he had just two points, but nine rebounds, which was huge. And he played 30 minutes, which was also really big because Adriel Bailey got into early foul trouble. He only played 12 minutes. So with Cheney seemingly kind of a non-factor for this team late, which is kind of odd, I thought he'd be the guy to step up. It's kind of great to see another player developing and coming into his own late in the season when you really need that kind of thing to happen. And it's just really cool for it to be Ethan because he's an Arkansas kid. He talked about it uh, last night after the game. You know, he said, you know, I'm, I'm from Arkansas, so getting my first start in Bud Walton Arena, that meant something to him. So it, it, to me, it always seems to be a little bit more special when it is a homegrown kid. Uh, you know, obviously, Mason's great. He's from Texas. You know, great story. But... But to see Ethan Henderson do what he did last night was, was really cool. He had an Im immediate impact. He had, in like the first four minutes of the game, he had four rebounds, three of them on the offensive boards, had a putback for his only two points of the game, blocked a shot. He ended up having three block shots. Uh, that was another key part of his stat line, including one that was uh, part of that bit, a little 9-0 spurt by the Hogs in the second half to, to really put Tennessee away for good. So... Just a phenomenal out outing by him, and, and one that I was completely, completely surprised by. Because earlier in the season, and even last year watching him, I was like, man, this guy's not very good. <laughs> he just didn't get many chances, and it feels like the more he plays, the better he becomes. And Eric Musselman talked about the confidence, and he said that he's been coming into the gym and off hours and putting in the work, and he said that things seem to be clicking a lot better for him. He's understanding the vocabulary of the game and understanding more of what they're trying to do and that bodes well because at the beginning of the season you would have thought well Arkansas is bringing in four guys next year one big man Jalen Williams um, 
who knows, they might go after another big man in the transfer portal, but seeing Ethan Henderson come along, he's no longer one that you'd probably toss out there as like a transfer option. At the beginning of the season, it was like, oh, that guy could probably go play somewhere else. But now it seems like, you know, if he continues progressing, his ceiling really is to be pretty decent here in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, uh, even as recently as the middle part of the season, I was thinking, man, he's probably going to transfer. He's gone. We'll never see him uh, play significant minutes at Arkansas. But after seeing what I've seen, you know, maybe he can be a solid role player. I mean, he may not be a, a permanent starter or anything like that, but if he can give you what he gave you last night on the offensive boards and if he could come along as an offensive player, that's the other thing, too, is on offense, he's not he doesn't hurt you. He, he didn't it's not like he scored two points on eight shots he he only took two shots uh, made one of them so he he's a he knows his role and he plays it well so maybe he can be one of those solid role players for Arkansas uh, you know next couple of years it'd be nice if he could use his height a little bit more offensively get some dunks stuff like that but he did have I believe a really nice put back shot the other night so I don't know. Who knows? Um, he's also only six foot eight. I think that kind of gets lost on people. People think he's, he's so maybe, lean. I don't know. He like, is. Yeah. He he almost whenever he came in, you know, I had this like picture in my head like, oh, maybe he's like six ten. He's gonna be the next you know in state big guy. You know, from you know Bobby Portis to Daniel Gafford to maybe Ethan Henderson. But he's really not that not that big comparatively speaking. So he he's more of your Adriel Bailey, Reggie Cheney type. Yeah. Musselman said he gets his. Um, his rebounds, not because he's physical, he's a really skinny guy, not too strong looking, but he's he's slippery and he's pretty quick and he reacts fast. So all skills that you, you like to see. Um, Jimmy Witt did a fantastic job defensively on Viscovi, held him to six points. He had six points himself. I just love me some Jimmy Witt. <laughs> I mean, one of the he was on the honor roll as well last night. They, you know, had a bunch of athletes come out on the court. And um, one of the smartest guys and one of the best guys to talk to. But I'm glad that they finally started getting some other guys out for press conferences because we, we heard a lot from Jimmy Witt, and now getting Ethan Henderson was really nice. Isaiah Joe, you can tell he doesn't love talking to the media, but we got to talk to him a little bit last night. Now, Joe, he kind of creeps up on you. Like, suddenly he has 22 points. You're just like, how, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, not only last night, it was more of the free throw line. Right. You know, he was getting to the free throw line a lot. I mean, he went 12 for 12. Uh, there's only been, I think he's the fifth player in school history to go 12 of 12 or better in a game. Uh, so it, it was really good to see because you're right. He did kind of sneak up on me. I had already started writing in my story, you know, you know, making a little note that Isaiah Joe scored just 10 points in his second game back from injury. And then I looked down, he's got 22 points. I'm like, well, that deserves a little bit more than just a, a note because uh, he did a great job of, of getting to the free throw line. And I think he got like eight of those 12 free throws in the last four minutes. So he really did, you know, there down the stretch, kind of jump up with his, his point total. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back on the Hog Beat Hour, more basketball as the Hogs travel to Athens, Georgia. <laughs> Arkansas has to go to Athens this weekend. That game is at 5 p.m. They're taking on the Bulldogs, who are 14 and 14. Uh, they are 
four and eleven in SEC play, which is surprising, but um, eleven and four at home. So that's going to be a pretty tough game for Arkansas to win. Um, what what did the numbers say? I know you put together the uh, ESPI, ESPN BPI <laughs> pr projections for the rest of the season. Yeah, Arkansas is favored uh, in all the games, the last three games. They got about a sixty percent chance to beat uh, Georgia. Georgia's kind of had a disappointing season, I would say. Anytime you've got a possible number one overall draft pick on your team, like they do, uh, you expect to go better than four and eleven in conference play and five hundred overall. So, kind of a disappointing uh, season for them. But it is a road game. You know, they do have a superstar in Anthony Edwards, and I'm, I'm anxious to see how Arkansas defends him. I, you mentioned Jimmy Witt doing yeah. a great job shutting down uh, Tennessee stud. Can he shut down Georgia's stud? He's been playing like 40 minutes a night. Uh, it's something interesting to watch. But, yeah, Arkansas is favored to win this game. They need to win this game if they're going to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. Where are they at this point on the bubble? Is it still like, you know, five teams got to so lose? So they're, they're now in – they were previously on BracketMatrix.com, which takes all these bracketologies from across the Internet, grades them based on how they did the previous year, and kind of spits out – a formula that, that spits out the, the projections. Last last week, before the win over Tennessee, they were part of the next four out. They are now in the last four out section. So they are kind of creeping up slowly but surely moving up over people. So uh, if they, I still firmly believe that if, if they win their last three games in the regular season, that puts them in a pretty good spot heading into the SEC tournament where they don't necessarily have to win their first game. Now, if they get matched up against a Vanderbilt or you know a team like that where it would be a really bad loss, then you can't lose to them in the SEC tournament. But if for some reason their first game, uh, I don't know what the bracket shakes out to be, but if their first game was against an Auburn or an LSU or something like that, if they lost, I don't think it would be completely devastating if they won their last three games to, to end the regular season. So Georgia is coming off an overtime loss to South Carolina. Um, Anthony Edwards, as you mentioned earlier, he had 36 points. That's kind of the norm for him. He's pretty dang good. Um, I expect them to, you know, play some deny defense on him, just basically limit him from getting the ball whatsoever, but it's still going to be a tough game. The thing about Arkansas is they're so good at throwing, um, shooting three-pointers, and their three-point defense is so good that they can be in any any one of these games against anyone. So it's just about, like, how are you shooting that night and how is your defense looking, especially in the paint? Yeah, I think the key there is shutting down the other team's three-point shooting because they are number one in the country. That's the one thing, as Musselman said after the game, they do better than anyone else in the country, and it's the great equalizer. You know, you would think Arkansas is a great three-point shooting team, but they're really – pretty low in the country but see they have the potential to be right. a great three-point shooting team they've been a great three-point shooting team against missouri and tennessee they've gotten hot i don't think it's a coincidence that that's the first two games isaiah joe has been back so that helps uh but you know just his mere presence opens things up for other guys you know desi's starting to heat up so it's it's pretty i i think arkansas has the potential as you, you were saying, to be a very good three-point shooting team, and maybe we're finally starting to see that. Yeah, as you mentioned, Desi Sills is heating up at the right time. He started the season pretty bad. I from, think two of 32 or something. Yeah, but Eric Musselman 
continue to encourage him to shoot and he went three for five the other night four for six against Missouri so it, it's starting to click for him he did have an 0 for 4 game against Florida but that wasn't a great game overall for the team so really like Desi Seals coming off the bench which is not what we expected um, the one player I think I just want to see more out of is Jalen Harris just not sure if he's able to bring that so yeah, Jalen's kind of a, a streaky guy. I mean, he does some good things. So there are some people, you know, if you read our message board and you read Twitter and things like that, you'd think he's the worst basketball player who's ever, you know, put on a uniform. I don't think that's quite the case. He, he has struggled, uh, but, I mean, he has he does things that Musselman likes. I mean, he talks about whenever he's in there, he, he pushes the pace. It gets the things sped up. Now, sometimes he goes a little too fast yeah. and he create you know, causes – uh, you know, dumb turnovers. We saw one, you know, very critical one late in the game. I think it was the Mississippi State game that pretty much led to them losing. And so uh, you got to hold that against them. But he does do something. You know, he he had a, made a really nice pass last night. He he drove to the basket and got all the defense collapsed down, and he kicked it out uh, to somebody. I think either Isaiah Joe or Desi Seals won for a, a wide open three pointer. So he does do some nice things. I mean, but. One reason he's been struggling of late is they've been asking him to do probably more than he's capable of doing. He's probably a role player opposed to a starter or a give you 30 minutes guy. So Arkansas on the road at Georgia on Saturday, 5 p.m. We'll have all the coverage on Hogbeat, live updates on the trough. So get on there. You can get on for free for 30 days with code H-A-W-G-S-30 pretty much any time as long as you've never done it before. Don't take advantage of us, people. It's mean. <laughs> um, so sign up for Hogbeat. We'll bring you all that coverage when we come back. Uh, the baseball team is on the road for the first time this season, and they've got a hot streak. And what, what were they in the composite? Pretty high. So when we come back, we're talking Diamond Hogs. Hey everybody, we're back on the Hogbeat Hour with Nikki Chavanel and Andrew Hutchinson, your Razorback insiders over at hogbeat.com, the Arkansas Rivals site. We do a lot of football and basketball coverage, but Hutch brings it during baseball season and it's no different now. We're going into the third series of this 2020 season. Um, where is Arkansas in all these polls that you like to look at? <laughs> well, there's six college baseball polls, and uh, I like to put them all together into what I call a composite poll. And it sped out this year or this week that Arkansas is all the way up to number four nationally. So, uh, same old, same old for the Razorbacks. What was the poll that had Arkansas at number nine? That was that was bad. Baseball America. That's that's because they had number Arkansas at number eleven to begin the year. Mm -hmm. I can see why they did it because I mean there are still some question marks with Arkansas. Uh, people don't like it. Arkansas fans don't like it. I get it. Of course not. Uh, but again, that's why you do the composite poll. You group them all together, and now you know they improved to number nine in that poll. But a couple of polls have number two and number three, so it all works out, and now they're number four. Who is number one? Florida. Florida is number one after sweeping Miami over the weekend, so they, they are looking pretty, pretty good. Arkansas is in the Shriners Classic, College Classic, down at Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. Do you think 
Arkansas is bringing the trash cans with them. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if any Arkansas fans or other college baseball funny. fans try to do that because you know LSU's in this thing too, and they travel really well as well. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the SEC fans uh, bring to the table. So it's not a tournament situation. So like, there's no winner, right? Well, I, they may name a winner just based on the record, but I mean, it's it's three SEC teams, Arkansas, LSU, and Missouri. I don't know how Missouri got picked as the third one, but, you know, whatever. And then the uh, three Big 12 teams, teams Arkansas playing are Oklahoma, Texas, and Baylor. The Each SEC team plays all three Big 12 teams and vice versa. And I guess if, if one team finishes 3-0 or you know, whatever, then they may name a winner, but it's not a true format where, you know, the winner of this game plays the winner of this game. Um, Connor Nolan will open on Friday against Oklahoma. Um, they played Oklahoma for, like, the fall um, exhibition. exhibition, right, how they do, and is that really yeah. indicative of how they'll do? So uh, Arkansas, I believe, lost that exhibition. It was a 14-inning thing, and, you know, it it's not really treated like a true exhibition. They play like the first nine game, nine innings like it's a true exhibition. The last five, they usually cycle in a lot of freshmen, get them some looks. Um, you know, it, and I don't think it really means anything. Last year, Arkansas demolished uh, UALR uh, down in Little Rock in an exhibition. Then UALR came up to Fayetteville during the actual season and put it to Arkansas during a midweek series. So. I always caution people, don't freak out. It is a nice little preview. It, it kind of wets the palate for, for baseball fans during the fall. Uh, you know, gave Arkansas a chance to see Cade Cavalli, the, the stud uh, pitcher that Arkansas is going to see on Friday uh, against Oklahoma. Stud? What, is, what does that mean? How good is he? He's throwing like 96, 97, 98 okay. miles an hour. Uh, he's a, a guy that's projected to be a really high draft pick. Does Arkansas have a guy like that? Well, they've that got some, that fast? they've got. I think it's Jacob Burton who throws that can throw ninety eight miles an hour for Arkansas. The bat, the thing with the him command. is getting it over yeah. the plate and mixing in other pitches. Because at this level, if you throw a ninety eight mile an hour fastball to Heston Kershad right over the middle of the plate, he's going to hit it five hundred feet. You know, just because you throw it hard doesn't mean it's going to get by you. Yeah. So, uh, but this guy apparently has really good stuff and mixes well. Has several pitches and is probably going to be a nice little test. And I, I'm personally looking forward to a, a really good pitcher's duel between him and Connor Nolan in uh, that first game down there at Minute Maid. That game, I know we talked about the other day, you said that of the three games against Oklahoma, Texas, and Baylor, you would pick that one for Arkansas to lose. Is that pretty much because of that pitcher? Pretty much. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost to any of the three teams. I, I still think think they are good enough to go down and win two out of three uh, but yeah the Cavalli I think that's Cavelli. I don't know how you say his name but he is a very good pitcher that's going to be a really tough challenge Arkansas did a good job th uh, against Eastern Illinois ace and you wouldn't think Eastern Illinois is a you know baseball power but they had a guy that pitched on Friday on opening day that you know consistently threw 95-96 this is a, a notch faster than that probably a notch better uh, but they had some success, so I, I'm anxious to see how they do, and I'm, I'm anxious to see you know Connor Nolan against a better lineup than what he's faced uh, the first two weekends of the season. Hutch, are these games on TV? How do we watch them? <laughs> well, if you have AT&T Sportsnet, which I doubt you do. I mean, maybe if you live in Never Texas or live in the Houston area, you might have that cheap channel. 
Uh, I've been told and I've read and it's been announced that it's going to be streamed for free on Astros.com and MLB.com. There's some conversation on our message board right now if that's actually going to happen. I, I uh, Maybe it's because I'm being optimistic, but I think it will be. I'm hoping that the University of Arkansas shares those links whenever they become available, and then obviously I will be able to share them out uh, both in my preview, on the message board, Twitter. You should hopefully be able to find it if you just do a little bit of looking. Even if it's not free, they do a free trial, so yeah, there's make a, a one fake of those, email, do whatever you got to do. It'll be fine. Yeah, there's <laughs> one of those services, uh, Fubo or something like that, TV. It's one. It's not one of the main like PlayStation View or you know Hulu or any one of those, but it's a similar thing. You can do a free trial. You just once you sign up for it, make sure you cancel it on Monday morning so you don't get charged whenever that free trial ends. Arkansas is throwing Patrick Wicklander on Saturday. Not a surprise. Did you like him against Gonzaga? He looked really good against Gonzaga. He looked more like the ace against Gonzaga, whereas Nolan looked like the ace against Eastern Illinois. I think we're going to see a lot of that this year, where one of them looks really, really good, and the other one's okay but not great, and it's going to kind of just flip back and forth throughout the season. It's, I don't, it's not a you're if not if you don't if you have two aces you don't have one. It's no, not no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not 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 like the quarterback situation. Uh, Dave Van Horn's a little bit better than the the people who've been running the football program in recent years. So, uh, yeah, I I liked what he did against Gonzaga. He was dominant for six innings, gave up one hit. Uh, yeah, I think he walked a guy and hit a guy, uh, but kept his pitch count low. That's always been the key for Patrick is that he sometimes, you know, he'll, he may throw a scoreless inning, but he may walk a guy and he may get behind, you know, 3-1 against these other guys before bouncing back and striking them out. That's great, but it gets your pitch count up. And, and a 10-pitch 3-up, 3-down is a whole heck of a lot better than a 20-pitch 3-up, 3-down because it maybe extends how long you can go that day. Dave Van Horn announced... On Wednesday, I tweeted out real quick. I was like, okay, Cole Ramage is starting on Saturday against Baylor. And people were like, but why? He didn't do that great against Gonzaga. But his reasoning was pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't really question Dave Van Horn. Of all, of all the coaches, he's probably earned the most respect and most leniency. And it is interesting because he did struggle against Gonzaga. Uh, but the thing Dave pointed out was that that was on a Thursday after he had pitched in relief on a Sunday. So he only had a handful of days rest. He didn't have a full week like you see Connor Nolan and Patrick Wicklander getting. That was the whole reason of keeping, you know, Connor and Patrick on Friday and Saturday, even though the games, the series against Gonzaga started on a Thursday. So they get their full rest. Ramage didn't get that luxury. Apparently he's been really good in practice and in scrimmages. He's a guy that they need to step up and be a key arm, whether it be as a starter or as a long reliever. Uh, but they're going to give him another chance to, to be a, a starter. And I'm, I'm anxious to see how he handles it because I know Baylor, I think they have the, I want to say they have the preseason pl Big 12 player of the year in their lineup. So it, it's not going to be an easy task for him uh, on Sunday down in Houston. This is random, but did you ever play baseball? I did. I played up until I was 13 years old. I played uh, Cal Ripken ball, which is on the small fields, up until I was 12. And then 13 was when you make the jump to Babe Ruth League mm -hmm. on the bigger fields where, like, the high schools play. And uh, I could not hit a baseball to save my life. I, it's because of the glasses, isn't it? I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I had zero talents. And I eventually was like, man, I need to 
focus on other sports, which I didn't have much more talent in those <laughs> sports either. Uh, but baseball was the first sport I played, the first sport I fell in love with. So, uh, and I've been going to Arkansas games for as long as I can remember. So it, it's it's kind of my my thing and the thing I love the most to, to cover. Well, good self-awareness. <laughs> um, overall, through two series, any kind of surprises for you with this team so far? Uh, it's been about what I expected. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if they lost the game to Gonzaga. But other than that, I mean, I thought the lineup was going to be very good, and it has been. Uh, I don't know what the team batting average is right now, but it was really good through the first weekend, and I assume it's still really good against Gonzaga because they put up put up some good numbers, uh, so a lot of runs. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, Jacob Nesbitt hit really, really well that first weekend. I wasn't sh quite sure what to expect from him. He kind of cooled off against Gonzaga. You know, Robert Moore was a guy I thought, hey, maybe he'll, you know, be good for Arkansas eventually. He's going to play good defense, but might be a little bit slow at the plate. And then what's he do this weekend? He goes 8 for 12. Uh, the most incredible stat of the weekend, which I don't think I've seen mentioned by the U of A. I don't think I've seen it mentioned by, you know, Perfect Game, who named him their National Player of the Week. But he went 7 for 7 with runners in scoring position. That is incredible. And to, to think he's a 17-year-old kid who should be a senior in high school right now, starting for a top 10 SEC baseball team, that is incredible. So you, you take that, the clutch, timely hitting, you throw on top of that, uh, you know, he had his first home run, first double, he had nine RBIs for the weekend, he didn't have any the first weekend. Then you throw on top of that his phenomenal defense. He made one play that just, I mean, it was, it made everyone in the press box freak out. Where I was watching that. I had come home and I turned on the game. I knew it was already like 5 nothing, but I just, I like watching this team. I don't have to cover it, so I'm just kind of enjoying it a little bit as a fan. And I saw that play. I was like, dang. Yeah. Apparently he does that all the time in practice. Yeah, that's what the players say. So they weren't really surprised. Uh, but the play we're referring to, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, is when there was a little sh slow grounder kind of between the first and second base hole. Uh, he was playing a little bit more up the middle, so he had to run a long way to get to it. He got to it, fielded it with his glove, and then flipped it up to Cole Austin at first base for the out just ahead of the runner. And he never broke stride after doing it, too. He ran straight to the dugout because it was the third out of the inning. And so... It was great. That came right after he turned a 4-6-3 double play. That was just so smooth. Something you really don't expect from a, a freshman, much less a 17-year-old freshman. Uh, then you throw in what he did on the base pass. He got his first couple of stolen bases, the second of which was a play that I don't think I've ever seen in person, where there was a walk to Heston Kerstad, and the opponent, the, the Gonzaga defense had shifted toward the to right to defend against Heston, and there was a walk. He went. Robert went to second base. He noticed a third baseman was still shifted way far away from the bag. And he's like, well, I'm going to take third. And so right. he took off and, and stole third before anyone knew what the heck was happening. Just such a heads-up play, a veteran play. I think someone mentioned it uh, either on Twitter or on our message board, said something like, you know, he's a 10-year he's a vet in a 17-year-old's body. <laughs> and that is the perfect way to describe uh, the way Robert Moore played this weekend against Gonzaga, a, a very good Gonzaga team. 
I don't think you've ever had a freshman up at the podium so many times in one weekend. He I don't think we've had any player <laughs> come in and talk to the media four straight days like Robert did this weekend. It, it was crazy. That earned him the, uh, I think, player of the week overall from Perfect Game, and then he also won um, player of the week from the SEC. Arkansas fans had their Jimmy's Russell a little bit once again because it was a co-player of the week award. But that A&M kid, Bryce Bryce Blom. Blom, he had double digits in runs and RBIs. Is that uncommon? That's pretty uncommon. That's pretty good. <laughs> the A&M kid was very deserving. Uh, I was glad. I was because I was a little. I wondered. I, I talked to Michael Minshew, the, the SID for baseball, mm -hmm. who's in charge of submitting the uh, the recommendations right. uh, for player of the week, pitcher of the week, things like that. And I was wondering if he was going to submit him for freshman of the week, or if. He was good go enough to go for, for SEC Player of the Week, and it, I guess he submitted Player of the Week, and I'm glad the SEC recognized him because he did have a just an all-around, not just everyone gets you know focused on the offensive stats, but what he did in all phases of the game was just incredible. So they're down in Houston, first road trip of the season. Uh, those games are at 3 p.m., 7 p.m. and 7 p.m. against Oklahoma, Texas, and Baylor. And you can catch all those hopefully for free online, astros.com or mlb.com. When we come back, uh, it's NFL Combine Week, which is pretty exciting. Four hogs in there out of 93 SEC players, which is just ridiculous. All that and more coming up. So We are back on the Hogbeat Hour, sponsored by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers down in Russellville and here in Fayetteville. I'm Nikki Chavanel here with Andrew Hutchinson. We are the Razorback Insiders on Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas Rivals site. It's a big week for NFL prospects. Arkansas has four uh, former Razorbacks at the NFL Combine. The Underwear Olympics. The Underwear Olympics, as Hutch likes to call it. We got Scooter, Dejon Harris, uh, CJ O'Grady, Cheyenne, as we like to call him, Cameron Cam Curl, and uh, McTelvin Sosa Jim. That's a lot of nicknames up in there. <laughs> um, the four basically stars of the team last year, uh, besides you know the young kids who weren't eligible, um, Cam Curl left. Arkansas early to get into the NFL draft. Kind of respect his decision, although I, I would have liked to see him here one more season, but just seems like maybe he, he's got that kind of mentality where he's all about getting to the next level, and that's fine too. Um, probably the biggest headline of the week so far coming out of the Combine was C.J. O'Grady in the interview portion of the Combine, and he opened up about his departure slash dismissal from the team and this was not surprising to us when we heard it because we kind of heard on the down low what had went down between O'Grady and Morris and the staff and he said that essentially after the Alabama game he didn't show up and the coaching staff was like what the hell where are you and uh, he just told them he didn't want to come his body hurt etc etc he said it wasn't really a mutual decision they were just done with him and that to get to the point where you're done with your star tight end you, 
they had to have given him so many chances and you have to think that's going to hurt his draft prospects even though he claims that's the old CJ this is kind of the behavior we we saw from him for three years and he told us so many times in interviews that's the old CJ that's why he went from being called CJ to being called Cheyenne to now being CJ or Cheyenne whatever you want to call him I like Uh, CJ it's just shorter yeah it's shorter easier to say whatever Um, I like O'Grady like just talking to him like he's a great he's a great interview he gives he says all the right things and I think he he knows what he should be doing and he is an incredible talent I mean he if he had stuck around at Arkansas for those last four games and really had any kind of competent quarterback play he probably would have been an all SEC talent I, I think I predicted that before the season with the stipulation that he had to you know keep his act together which didn't happen um but i i hope he turns the corner and gets gets it you know because i've watched him since he was at fayetteville high school and he was a stud at fayetteville stud at arkansas he's just had it not and it's not just a one coach thing he was in the doghouse with brett bielema beforehand he had a, an arrest early on when he was a true freshman he, he got arrested on a moped right yes yes so and then he you know, was suspended. He couldn't ever get on the field whenever Brett was here. Then Chad came. I was like, oh, maybe a new coach, new, it would be a fresh start. Well, he ended up getting suspended the first couple of games last year. And then he didn't really play the next two games before finally breaking out and being one of the best tight ends in the SEC. Then starts out this year, he got, he well, I think they said it was an injury. I was told by sources that are pretty reliable that he was suspended. And that flu game. Yes, there was the game where he was supposedly sick. Uh, where play he, he didn't play quarter. the first quarter. <laughs> magically played like the first play of the second quarter because he was suddenly feeling better. Yeah, right. He was suspended in the first quarter. I, I can almost guarantee that. And he's just been up and down, up and down. But when he is on the field, there is no denying he is an incredibly talented tight end. Uh, moving on to Cam Curl, he wasn't the only one suspended at some point in his <laughs> Razorback career. Um, he was suspended last season for fraternizing with the Mississippi State cheerleaders. One of the most ridiculous things that has probably, one of the most ridiculous things that happened during the Chad Morris era. It was era one of the defining moments yeah. of the Chad Morris era. It perfectly illustrated what kind of a you know, cluster that was. Yeah, it's just like what kind of... <laughs> what kind of discipline do your players have, first of all, and then how you handle the situation was just completely amateur, in my opinion. But overall, as a skilled player, I mean, rated on Pro Football Focus as one of the best cover safeties out there, I'm excited to see what he can show at the NFL draft. His prospect grade has him as maybe a practice squad guy. That's probably about right. But he seems like a, a hungry player. Um, the guy with the highest prospect grade is Sosa Ajim, who was a near five-star player on Rivals. I think he was an ESPN five-star. He was number 50 player in the nation coming out of high school, an Arkansas native, although didn't he move? So well, he's a a te- Texas he guy? claims Texarkana, right, Texas yeah. as, as his hometown, but he was a product of Hope, Arkansas High School. And um, he started out his career as a defensive end, came in at 269 pounds. He's up to 309 now. I think he's like a legit tackle guy now, and, you know, they eventually moved him there. Um, well, he went 
there and back, there yeah. and back, there. Literally, he started 40 games during his career at Arkansas, 20 at defensive end, 20 at defensive tackle. That's pretty crazy, and one reason we probably didn't see him live up to his full potential as a Razorback. But he was a fan favorite and a team captain. For all intents and purposes, I think that over the past four or five years, he's, he's one of the guys that will remember the most. Yeah, I mean, it's not every day that Arkansas produces such a high-caliber prospect and one who chooses to stay home. I think that will buy him a lot of goodwill with the fans, even though he didn't necessarily, you know, maybe live up to the hype that they had expected for him. But if you take a step back and actually look at his numbers, he was a very productive defensive lineman. He is on the all-time charts for t t tackles for loss, I'm pretty sure. So he, he's, he was very productive, probably mostly lived up to his hype. I put a lot of that uh, why he maybe didn't, in fans' eyes, on the coaches. They couldn't ever figure out where the heck they wanted to put him, inside, outside. He also wasn't on very good defenses, so it's hard to really remember one, a guy on these defenses that were statistically the worst in school history, uh, being a, a legend or whatever. But being an in-state guy from Arkansas or Texarkana, but being a, an Arkansas high school product, I think gives gives him a little bit of leeway in, in fans' eyes. He and CJ were both top 100 players out of high school. Arkansas hasn't had many of those in the past decade, um, but they they claim he's a work in progress, but a potential backup special team guy, and that sounds about right. But Arkansas is going to have a hell of a time replacing him on this year's team. Not a ton of experienced talent returning. Your two uh, defensive tackles, what I think it's. Uh, Isaiah Nichols yep. and Jonathan Marshall and they got plenty of snaps last season but I'm I'm looking for the younger guys to maybe step yeah, up. Yeah you also role. have Xavier Kelly coming in as well the graduate transfer oh, from yeah. Clemson. Uh, I'm interested to see what he does but I mean Jonathan Marshall strongest guy on the team you know according to the previous uh, training staff. Isaiah Nichols I always have a soft spot for him he's a Springdale kid went to the same high school as I did so I hope he does well. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what maybe a Marcus Miller can do when healthy and the other guys they brought in uh, last year. Last but certainly not least, Scooter Harris, the Louisiana guy. Um, I feel like he kind of embodied a lot of the Arkansas culture. He was a team captain, uh, the leading tackler for three seasons. I mean, his numbers were always great. His play was sometimes questionable but um, I like to see what he could do with some really good coaching at the NFL level they've got him as a, a 5.47 prospect grade which they rank as a priority free agent which I'd say that sounds about right yeah I think so too I mean he he was a, a second team all SEC guy for the last three years led the team in tackles as he mentioned uh, not very many players can say they've led Arkansas in tackles three straight years I think he's only like the second or third guy to do that um, so he's a he's a guy that had a very solid college career. He wasn't a legend by any means necessarily, but I do think he deserves some credit. He was a an, kind of a lower rated kid, a five point six three star coming out of high school. Uh, had some had some decent offers. I think Alabama maybe even made a, a small run at him. Uh, came to Arkansas and and stuck around. He could have left after his junior year if he wanted to, but he he came back for his senior year despite you know going two and ten as a junior uh, fortunately went two and ten again as a senior 
but I think he deserves a lot of credit and should hopefully be remembered fondly by Arkansas fans for, for what he did uh, while in Fayetteville. So that is all the time we have left. Woo, that really flew by. Thanks for tuning into the Hogbeat Hour. Catch us next week, same time, same place, or on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, <laughs> everybody.